0: First Baptist Church, if you have your Bible with me this morning there in your homes, turn with me to the book of James, James chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verse number 13 through verse number 17 this morning. I'm asked sometimes by students why I like to preach through books of the Bible, why it is that we just pick one and go through it. And specifically what students often wonder or people often wonder is that how can you coordinate addressing topics that need to be addressed in real time while also just going through a book of the Bible. It seems like there'd be a lot of difficulty lining those two things up. And I have to admit, I understand that question as to why people would ask me that. But at the same time, just after 20-some years of experience of doing this, it is uncanny how perfectly things interweave together when we do it this way. And how it is that in God's providence, the text that we would have before us this day perfectly fits what needs to be addressed at any given time. In this particular occasion, verse number 13 through verse number 17, I am struck by just how well this passage fits for the moment that we are in. In fact... Um, As I started looking at this just even early last week, even before Pastor Bo was with us, looking at verse number 1 through verse number 12, when I began to see that I would be preaching verse 13 through 17 today, uh, I was overwhelmed. I don't know that I've ever had a sense of anticipation to preach a particular passage of Scripture like I have this one on this occasion. So James chapter 4, verse number 13 through verse number 17, read this with me. And read it in the context that we find ourselves in today. Verse 13. Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there. We'll buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Let's pray together. Father God, bless us as we come to your word. We stand as a people that need you in our lives very desperately. Lord, as we've just reflected together from the Psalms a few moments ago, we feel vulnerable. We feel uncertain. Lord, we've been shaken. We've been rattled. And Lord, as such, we need your touch, your care, your tender mercies with us. But Lord, I also suspect that in addition to that kind of comfort that we need, that we probably need to be rattled that, Lord, we need to have our lives adjusted. We need to be in a season of time where we recalibrate, where old normals vanish away and new normals take root. And so, Father, teach us to understand life from the perspective that this text would teach us to. That there is indeed, even when things are normal, tremendous uncertainty, and that what we ought to do is live every single day postured beneath you with a spirit of dependence and a spirit of submission. Teach us that we are not in control and that you ultimately are. And may we live our lives accordingly. We love you. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled this sermon, What Does Tomorrow Hold? So let's ask that question. What does tomorrow hold? Here's what we do know. We know that this coming week, it's going to be awful. We know that this coming week, especially here in this city, the numbers are going to skyrocket. We know that there are going to be people that lose their lives. We know that there are going to be people that flood the hospitals and overwhelm the medical system. We know that it will be scary and uncertain, and we don't know how deep this will go, and we don't know how long it will last. What does tomorrow hold? You know, if I had asked you that question a month ago, I suppose that every single one of us would have had all sorts of things to say. We would have talked about trips we were going to take. Indeed, I myself, I had probably a dozen trips over these last couple weeks and then over the next two months that I was planned to go on and speak in this place and that place and to do this and to do that. If we'd asked a month ago, we'd have talked about business plans, we'd have talked about personal trips, we'd have talked about meetings, we would have talked about sports, we would have talked about all sorts of things. A month ago, it felt like you and I could adequately and accurately see the future. And we made our plans and our, our, our coordinations accordingly. A month ago, it really did feel like we had a bit of a crystal ball to look into the future with and see a reality that we were comfortable with and that we desired, and we went about our business accordingly. But today, we really don't know a lot about the future beyond some of the things that I just sketched out. The last two, three weeks have radically changed every one of our lives. It's rattled our normals, it's changed what we do, it's forced us into circumstances that we're not quite sure how to navigate. Everything over the last few weeks has changed, and this passage today is a reminder of that very thing, that ultimately you and I, even when it seems like things are normal, and even when it seems like we can know the future, actually that's not true. What the reality of it is, is that you and I don't know the future. You and I don't have control over our days, and that ultimately God does. And so our sermon this morning essentially just does those two things. There are two broad headings to this sermon, and then I have several things to say under each of those headings. Heading number one, you are not in control of your days. Heading number two, God is in control of your days. Let's start with heading number one, you are not In control of your days. Now, the question we want to ask is, well, why? Why am I not in control of my days? And why are you not in control of your days? I think the text answers that in a variety of ways before us here today. Number one, and again, under the heading of, you are not in control of your days. Three reasons I would give you from the text as to why. Number one, you don't know what will happen. Notice what the Bible says, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, we'll spend a year there, we'll buy and we'll sell and we'll make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. We would have read this text a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, a year ago, and we would have said, yeah, I know that in some kind of little menial way, but we still felt like we knew what tomorrow held. And we went forward accordingly. And then this current reality came upon us and changed everything and made the truth of this passage so abundantly obvious. A a month ago, you and I would have felt like we knew exactly what was going to transpire in the next couple months. And today, you and I don't know where we're going to get our next roll of toilet paper. COVID-19 has changed everything for us. And so we have to come to grips with the reality that we are not actually in control of our days for the simple reason of we don't know what tomorrow holds, as James tells us here. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 1, do not boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day may bring forth. Second of all, it's not just that you and I don't know what will happen, you and I don't know how long we have. Notice what he goes on to say. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. And then he asks this question, what is your life? Is it an eternal thing? No. Is it a very long lasting thing? No. Is it a for sure thing of duration? No. He says it's a vapor and it appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. I know our lives seem very long to us. They seem very long to us because we've never experienced anything outside of them. We've never experienced the thousands and thousands of thousands of years before us. And we won't experience the years and years and years, at least on this earth, after us. And so our days seem to be so long, but they're actually just a quick little vapor. They are here today, and they are gone tomorrow. Listen, you and I don't know what will happen tomorrow, and you and I don't know how long we actually have. You know, I'm still a relatively young man. But I learned this lesson in drastic form three years ago. I woke up one Saturday morning minding my own business with no pain, no symptoms, no nothing. And all of a sudden when I went to the bathroom, I'll spare you the details, I began to hemorrhage. I spent a month in the hospital. I had 15 inches of my large intestine removed. I was in ICU for five days and I almost died several times in that journey. And now I came to grips so clearly and so firmly with the reality that I don't know how long I have. I have today and I have this moment and I had the moments before them just as you have. But you and I don't know if we have tomorrow. And so we cannot operate with the idea that we are in control of our days because we're not. One other thing that James shows us about why we're not in control of our days. We, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know how long we have. Thirdly, you don't know what's ultimately valuable. And I don't either, by the way. You say, what? Let me, let me repeat that. You don't know what's actually valuable. Now notice what James says, and you can almost hear the mocking in this. You who say, it's almost if to say, you silly people. Come now, you who say. Today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city or that city. We'll spend a year there. We're going to buy, we're going to sell, and we're going to make a profit. He, you can hear him mocking that confidence that they have. You can hear him mocking the value that they think that they will gain. You think your life is going to be great because you buy and you sell and you make a profit. Now, listen. I want to be clear about this. What what James is doing here, he's not critiquing capitalism. He's not critiquing wealthy people per se. No, what he's mocking and critiquing here are those people that think that life just is in the accumulation of wealth and that that's valuable. And James wants us to understand that no, that's not actually what's most valuable. The kingdom of God and His righteousness is what is most valuable to us. And so here's what I want you to see, church, in the first part of this quick message this morning. You and I are not in control of our days as this current circumstance has made clear to us. We are taught this reality, that you and I are not in control of our days from two things. Number one, with great force from the Scriptures themselves, but number two, from our current circumstances. Everything lines up together to press this reality on us. And I know that this reality that I'm saying to us, that you and I are not in control of our days, I know that's scary, and I know that's heavy, and I know that seems ominous to us. But listen, Christianity is a, is a faith, of a, a, a belief system of hope. And therefore, we turn to that hope. And so here's, the, here's what we do now. Okay, heading number one, you and I are not in control of our days because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how long we have, and we often misunderstand what's actually valuable to us. So what do we do about that? What should we do instead, or what should we think instead? How should we posture ourselves instead? Well, heading number two, big heading number two. Heading number one, we are not in control of our days. Heading number two, God is in control of our days. God is in control of my days, not me. God is in control of your days, not you. Now, if that's true, that God is in control of our days then what should we do about that? How should we posture ourselves? How should we be disposed before God? How should we live our lives before Him? If indeed He's the one in control of our days, how should we live our lives before Him? Can I just challenge us to start praying a little bit differently in this moment for just a second? Listen, I'm not trying to pick on this. I'm not trying to critique this. I understand this. I really do. But if I've heard it said once over the last two weeks, I've heard it said a thousand times People keep saying this, I just want to get back to normal. I get that. And, and in a very real sense, I want to get back to normal too. Here's one way I think that would normal would be good. The day that you and I can come back to this building and be with each other and hug each other and just worship together, how, how wonderful that's going to be. Long for that. Anticipate that. And when we come back together, enjoy that. And may that never change. There is a sense in which some of the normals are good and we want those back. But people keep saying, I just want to go back to normal, and so therefore I suspect that our prayers are often prayers to God for Him to resume normal in our lives. I suspect that there's this massive crying out among us to God, God bring us back to normal. Let me ask you a question, do you think God gives a rip about our normals? Do you think... God is up in heaven somehow wowed and inspired by our massive overwhelming desire to go back to the way things were before all this? I suspect not. If that's all we pray, then I suspect it will be long before He answers. Maybe God wants to change some things around in our lives. And so if that's the case... What should I learn from this? My prayer, therefore, needs to be, God, how are you trying to shape me? God, how are you trying to change me in this process? What normals from the past need to go away? And what normals from the new normal need to become the standard from this point forward? I tell you, this will cause you to cry out to God. This will cause you to pray. This will cause you to do a lot of things. And so let's look at what James tells us to do. Listen, heading number one, you're not in control of your days. Heading number two, God is in control of your days. So therefore, how should I live my life by before Him. How should I posture my life before God? Well, I say this to you. God is in control of your days, so therefore, number one, repent. If God is really in control of my days, then repent, Jamie. If He's the one that actually has the keys and the control of things, then you and I must repent of our sins. Listen to me. In the moment of a crisis, in a moment where we need God desperately, now is not the time. To run to your sin. Now is not the time to protect and preserve your normal patterns of sin. No, now is the time to flee from those things. Run from those things and get as far away as you possibly can. I Listen, I'm not trying to steal back from last week's thunder. Pastor Bo looked at uh, verse number 1 through verse number 12. Verse number 8, listen, but this is all tied together, right? In verse number 8, remember what he said there? Draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Listen, the uncertainty of our days and the difficulties that we face should force us to our knees and repent of our sins. So if God is really in control, therefore repent. Repent. Number two, God is in control of your days, therefore, submit. God is in control of your days, therefore, you and I submit. Look at verse number seven, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. But now look at verse number 15 as well. Instead, you ought to say, Remember this? What he started off by saying is, you you people, you come here. you who say today or tomorrow you're going to do this. You you operate as if you understand exactly what will happen tomorrow. You you operate as if you think you're going to live forever. You operate as if you think that worldly success and worldly riches are really what life is all about. No, 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 no. Instead, listen to this, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, We will live and we'll do this and we'll do that. In other words, it's not that you don't still go about the very things that you were going to go about in the first place. The change is not in the actions that you do next. The change is in the posture of your heart. The the change is in the recognition of my mind that, listen, I recognize I'm not in control of my days and that God is. And so, therefore, I submit myself to God. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, A man's heart plans his ways. The Lord directs His steps. Remember that He is the sovereign King over all and that therefore our lives are to be lived with a posture of submission to Him. So God is in control of our days, therefore repent. God is in control of our days, therefore submit. God is in control of our days, number three, therefore depend. Therefore depend. Look at the same statement that I just used. That last statement in verse 15 underscores the need for submission, but it also underscores the need for dependence. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or we'll do that. Listen, that statement, yes, encourages us, points us, instructs us to submission, but it also instructs us in dependence as well. Listen, it reminds us that you and I can't exist without God. You and I can't be sustained without God. You and I can't breathe without God. You and I can't be saved without God. Nothing that my hand touches prospers without God. You and I can do nothing. Therefore, brother or sister, live your life in a posture of dependence on God in every single way. I know we're so comfortable. We have so much. We're so successful in what we often do. And and because of that, we don't even let it calculate how blessed we are to have the meal on the table that we have. But look around you and see that everything we have comes from God and therefore depend on Him. God is in control of our days, therefore repent, submit, and depend. God is in control of our days, therefore be humble. Verse 16. But now you boast in your arrogance. Again, he's talking back to those people we mentioned in verse number 13 and 14 who just thought that they saw the future. He says that they're boasting, and he says that it's arrogant. And all such boasting is evil. Understand that the disposition he describes in verse number 13, which let's be candid about it, we are often so guilty of having, thinking that we know tomorrow, thinking that we know how long we have, thinking that we understand what's actually valuable in the grand scheme of things. It's arrogant, it's boastful, and that boasting is evil. And so therefore, by implication, what he's saying to us, what he's instructing us to do now is, therefore, humble yourself. Listen, if you're, if you're well uh, aware of the fact and well suited to the concepts that I'm not in control of my days and that God ultimately is, then there will be a natural humility. And remember, humility is going to produce all sorts of godliness in our life. So therefore, his instruction, verse 16, is to be Humble. One more thing very quickly. God is in control of my days, not me. Therefore, we we, we repent, we submit, we depend, we are humble. One more thing, verse number 17. God is in control of our days. Therefore, obey. Therefore, obey. Listen, if, if God is really the one in control, then I must bring my life into obedience to him in everything that I do. Look at what he says in verse 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And the instruction in that is quite simple. Knowing full well that I'm not in control of my days and that God ultimately is, I should live my life in a posture of dependence and in a posture of obedience to Him in all things. Brother or sister, listen. The current circumstances we find ourselves in testify to the very truths that James is setting before us here in this particular passage. You are not in control of your days and God is. And you can despair in that. You can freak out about that. Or you can find a better way. A way that is life producing, a way that leads to joy. a a way that leads to life itself. And what is that way? It is the way of repentance. It is the way of submission. It is the way of dependence. It is the way of humility. It is the way of obedience. Let these realities that we find ourselves in now shape us this way. May we never again be a people that think we've got tomorrow figured out. This crisis will eventually end. God will get us through it. But may our new normals be normals of repentance, normals of submission and dependence, normals of humility and obedience, because you are not in control of your days, and God is. Father, teach us this. Teach us this very well in this crisis. May the previous normals that need to be retained be retained. And may we find a way to persevere in them. But God, may the things of our previous normals that need to go away, our our confidences, our arrogances, our dispositions to think we've got it all figured out. And that therefore we don't live constantly with a posture of dependence and humility and submission and such. Lord, may that be forever gone. Lord, I pray this morning not that you would return my normals. I pray this morning, God, that you'd change me. Never again. Never again. Lord, may I operate in the power of my own strength. Never again may I think that I know tomorrow. Lord, help us to turn from our sins. Help us to run. Help us to to rid our lives of the patterns and the normals that do not honor you. Teach us, we pray. We stand in great need of your comfort and we stand in great need of you, your presence in our lives to teach us. Lord, as we continue to worship and in just a few moments as we give an opportunity for our people to respond, Lord, would you bless us in this process? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.